So thank you so much for that. Uh, before I get into the message, I also just want to say uh, a big thank you uh, to our leaders, to James and Lee. I'm just really, uh, really grateful for their leadership at this time. Like we've been, we've been in this for more than a year now, and constantly there have been changes, there have been different lockdowns and restrictions and things that have been uh, put on us, and they've, they've had to navigate that, what can we do, uh, what are we able to do, how are we going to do things, and to make changes again and again and again, and I, I just I feel like they've led us so well. And I don't know about you, but I'm extremely grateful for their leadership, and I just really pray God's blessing and refreshment and, and joy over them in leadership. Uh, today I want to talk to you about stories. And uh, stories are, are powerful. Uh, nothing can captivate our brain or hold our attention quite like a good story. And uh, part of that is the fact that stories, they, um, they activate so many different parts of our brain. And so for that reason, we, we often remember uh, stories a whole lot better. Uh, as human beings, we love stories. We love stories of action and adventure. We love stories of, of life. Of, of tragedy, of love. We love funny stories. We love the stories about that unlikely hero who, against all odds, overcomes. Uh, we love all kinds of stories. And for me, I love telling my kids stories. And since they were young, I've told them childhood stories of mine at bedtime. Uh, some of the highlights that they especially enjoy and stories that I've told over and over again are stories like about how uh, Calvin Dean, my classmate in elementary school, took Jordan Nykamp's shoe and lit it on fire uh, on the soccer field. They, they love that one. Uh, the story of my, my older sister who was learning to drive and, uh, and just happened to drive straight into the end wall of our garage, uh, such that every time you open the garage door after that, the entire wall moved. Uh, my kids love those stories. But it got to the point where... I was repeating these stories again and again, and I was running out of appropriate childhood stories. <laughs> and, and so we started to look for new material. And since the, the pandemic, and, uh, and my kids started originally uh, sleeping in a tent in our dining room when this all started, uh, we began to read them different stories, the stories of uh, the, the Chronicles of Narnia. Uh, we read through The Hobbit. Right now, we are in this, this massive 500-some-odd-page book from this New York Times bestseller. Um, we love stories. Uh, stories are powerful, and, and at some level, every single one of us is a storyteller. Uh, because stories are actually how we think. We're hardwired to think in story. Uh, every single one of us is a storyteller. A Harvard study found that um, the average person daydreams for almost half of the day. Uh, in other words, for almost half of our waking hours, uh, we're going around telling ourselves a story. Uh, for many of the actions, the conversations, the situations that are going on in our life, we are telling ourselves a story. And stories are a way for us to figure things out. They're a way for us to bring a sense of, of meaning uh, and order to the different events of our lives. Uh, stories in any given moment, they help us to shape our understanding of what's true, of what we can expect, and of what the future has in store for us. 
We all do it. We all tell ourselves a story. The question that I think we especially need to ask ourselves, though, is this. Is the story that I'm telling myself the right story? You see, the, the, the Bible is made up of, of many stories, uh, but all those stories, at the end of the day, ultimately are woven into this one overarching story, the true story of God's redemption of His people through His Son, Jesus Christ. That's the story. And today I want to talk to you about one of my most favorite stories within the Bible. There's many, there's all kinds of stories, but this one is a highlight for me. And it's the story of Ruth. For those of you that aren't familiar with Ruth, the story of Ruth starts in the time of the judges. And it was a difficult time to say the least. It was a terrible time in Israel's history where everyone was doing what was right in their own eyes, and over and over again, the people turned away from God, and uh, they worshipped idols. They were eventually defeated by their enemies, and then God would raise up a judge to deliver his people. And uh, they would experience a time of peace and prosperity for a certain amount of time, and then they would decide to do it all over again. And again and again, this happened throughout the time of the judges. And Ruth, the story of Ruth, takes place in that context. There was also a famine in the land that had been going on uh, for almost 10 years. And so with that, Naomi and her husband Elimelech and their two sons, Malon and Kilian, they made the journey from Bethlehem because of the famine to Moab so that they could have food. Now, Moab, the people of Moab, the Moabites, were not actually Israel's friends. They were their enemies. And if you go back to Judges chapter 3, we see the Moabites actually oppressing Israel and holding them subject for 18 years. And so times were tough, to say the least. And just when we think things can't get any worse in the story, uh, while in Moab... Naomi's husband, Elimelech, dies. And then her two sons also die. Malon and Kilian die. And she's left alone with her two daughter-in-laws. Now, to be a woman alone without any family in that culture at that time was to be faced with ruin. Uh, there was no social assistance, no life insurance, no security for the future. And so Naomi urges her daughter-in-laws, go home. Go home to your people. Hopefully you can find a husband for yourself there. You can get married and again, and, uh, and you'll be taken care of. And, and Orpah, the one daughter-in-law, she decides to go home. But Ruth, in this shocking turn of events, decides to stay. And she commits herself to Naomi and to the Lord. And I want to pick up the story at the end of, of chapter 1, uh, where, where Ruth makes this commitment. It says in verse 15 of chapter 1, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. 
It says, So the two women went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women exclaimed, Can this be Naomi? Don't call me Naomi, she told them. Call me Mara, because the Almighty has made my life very bitter. I went away full, but the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi? The Lord has afflicted me. The the Almighty has brought misfortune upon me. Verse 22, it says, So Naomi returned from Moab, accompanied by Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, arriving in Bethlehem as the barley harvest was beginning. The thing that I want you to see from this, this story that we're looking at here, the story of Ruth, is that here we have two women who are, are both in virtually the same situation. They're, they're both widows, they're both childless, they're both poor and in need, and their circumstances are very similar. But despite the similarity in their circumstances, the story that they tell is entirely different. Naomi chose to focus on her loss. She chose to blame God and to become bitter. Ruth, on the other hand, she commits herself to Naomi, to sticking with her no matter what, and to making the Lord her God. Similar situations, completely different stories. And as they're returning to Bethlehem, Naomi says to her people, she says, yeah, it's me, Naomi, but don't call me Naomi. Call me Mara. Call me bitter. She says, I I went away full, but the Lord's brought me back empty. The question we've got to ask ourselves here is, did, did Naomi actually come back empty? She didn't. She came back with Ruth, and I can imagine Ruth going, hello, uh, I'm here, right? But uh, she came back with with Ruth. And for those of you who don't know the the story, spoiler uh, alert, Ruth is not only the means by which Naomi is going to be well-fed and provided for, she is the key to her late husband Elimelech's line being redeemed as she marries Boaz, which ultimately leads to Ruth becoming the great-grandmother of King David and the great-great-great, however many greats, grandmother of Jesus Christ. She is the direct ancestor of our Lord Jesus. That's who Naomi came back with. And even though Naomi's telling this story about being bitter and empty, the truth is, she's fuller than she's ever been before. I I think the challenge for us, like Naomi, is this. It's to not get so focused on our circumstances that we lose sight of the truth. And we miss what God is actually doing right here, right now, in this moment. You see, the problem is never with our circumstances, it's always with what we're saying about them and the story that we're telling ourselves about our present situation. Our stories, the story that we tell ourselves, will largely shape our destiny. And we see this time and again throughout Scripture. There are many different stories. I think about the story of uh, the Israelites on the border of Canaan as they send out the 12 spies to check out the land. And the 12 spies come back, and 10 of them tell this one story. They tell about how 
Guys, the, the fruit there is incredible, like nothing you've seen before. Like these grapes are like the size of our cantaloupes. It's amazing, right? Like it's, it's plentiful, absolutely. But uh, it's already taken. There's already people living there that got there before us, and it just so happens that these people are giants. And our size is more like that of a grasshopper to them. So uh, it's a no-go. Ten spies, that's the story that they're telling. While Joshua and Caleb choose to tell a completely different story. And Caleb says, hold on, hold on, hold on. Just shh. He says, right now, we can occupy this land. We are well able to overcome it. He tells a completely different story. And because of the story that Joshua and Caleb told, an entire generation missed out on the promise that God had for them while Joshua and Caleb were able to enter in. I think about the story of David and Goliath. David shows up on the battlefield as the Philistines are camped on one side and the Israelites are on the other. And Goliath comes out again to taunt the Israelite armies. And here this shepherd boy is looking as his Israelite these Israelite men are cowering in fear in their tents as Goliath you know, gives this invitation for them to come out and fight him again. They're terrified. David, this shepherd boy, he tells a completely different story. And he says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? He tells a different story. And this shepherd boy slays a giant and becomes king of Israel. I think about the story of Mary. As the angel of the Lord comes to Mary and says, Greetings, you who are highly favored. You're, you're going to bear a child. You're going to be impregnated by the Holy Spirit. The one you are to bear is the Messiah. And you can imagine Mary going, Hold on here. I'm a teenager, and you're saying I'm going to get pregnant, and I'm not even married. And you can imagine the stories that people would be telling about Mary. But she herself chose to tell a different story. And instead of responding in fear and going, uh, I don't think so, not right now, she said, be it done to me according to your word. She told a different story, and she gave birth to the Messiah. The story that we tell will largely shape our, our destiny, and it's really an indication of where our faith is placed. Is it in our circumstances or is it in the truth of what God has said? Is it, is it in our feelings or is it in Jesus Christ? There's another story in Mark chapter 6 where Jesus shows up at his hometown and uh, the, the people are amazed. They're, they're just in awe of the words that he's saying and what he's preaching and the wisdom they're marveling at, at, at his message and they're seeing the miracles that he's performing. And they're like, this is incredible. But then they start telling themselves this story. Like, hold on here. We know this guy. Isn't this the carpenter's son? Like Joseph's son? Don't we know his brothers and, and his sisters? And the Bible says that they took offense at him. And as a result of the story that they told, the Bible says Jesus could not do many miracles among them. Their story actually limited 
God's work and their ability to receive what God had for them in the moment. And I think at this time, especially for each and every one of us, it's really important for us to stop and ask ourselves, what story am I telling? As we've entered into another lockdown, where where it sounds like case counts are rising again, and the hope of vaccines is on the horizon, but everything is just kind of uncertain in our world right now, what story are you telling right now? Or what story are you allowing others to tell you? And is it ultimately God's story? There's all kinds of stories out there right now. There's stories, there's the the doom and gloom storyline, right? The, well, this is just an indication that things are getting worse. We can clearly see it and the end is near, right? There's the story of the, the political incompetence narrative, like, If we could just get the right politicians in government who could actually make the the, the decision, the the, the right decision, then things would would go much better for us right now. There's the the stick to the rules thread, right? Like, if, if we could just all abide by the rules, wear the mask, distance ourselves, you know, stay at home, then things would be better. There's the, the hang in there until this is all over story. There's all kinds of stories out there right now. And each one of those stories is actually competing for our allegiance. And it's important for us to regularly stop and ask ourselves, is the story that I'm telling the story that Jesus is actually telling? I, I think for me, I've recognized over the past uh, week especially, that lately I've been telling myself, the story I've been telling myself is often just, just wait. You can only do so much right now. You know, you're limited because of this lockdown. And there may be a measure of truth to that. Obviously, there's certain things that, that I can't do right now, and, and maybe not even as much as, as I want to do, but is this the story that God is ultimately telling about my life and about the situation that we're in right now? as I've been feeding my heart on other people's God stories, and I've been hearing testimonies of the things that God is doing, it's just awakened my heart and stirred my faith and my hope for what God could actually do with us right now, despite our circumstances. And I think that the first step in us embracing and realizing and entering into what God has in store for us right now is in telling ourselves a different story. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, in the New Living Translation. He says, for we are God's masterpiece. We're God's masterpiece. He has created us, he has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do good things he has planned for us long ago. God has good things that He has planned for us long ago that He has in store for us because He made us. We are His masterpiece. And right now, we are in Christ as His new creations. Listen, our circumstances will change. Things are regularly changing around us. But one of the things that's certain is our identity. It's our position in Christ And his plans for our lives remain the same. God is not thrown off by this pandemic going, oh my goodness, 
Like, let's just put pause on, on things for now and wait till this is all over so that you guys can get back to the plan that I have for you. Right? He has a plan for us right now. He's not surprised by this. He's actually working in the midst of this, right? And for us, things will always be unclear, uncertain, and at unrest until our hearts and our minds find themselves in the one true story that God is telling through Jesus Christ. It is a story that is so much bigger than ourselves and so far greater than our present circumstances. I was reading an article this week by uh, a guy named John Eldridge, uh, the author of the book Wild at Heart. And, uh, and he wrote about some of the core truths of the biblical narrative, truths that we need to get a hold of that will help us to have right perspective and to not be shaken when, when there's uncertainty all around us in our world right now. He, he gives a number of core truths, storylines, that we ought to be telling ourselves. Number one, God is very, very good. He says, does that grip your heart right now? Number two, God is always deeply involved. He asks, does that seem true to you? Number three, we live in a love story set in a world at war. It's always been so ever since the fall. And number four, he says, we know things are rough before a wonderful turn of events. We need to say no to uncertainty. He asked this question, he says, can you see how even one of these truths would rescue you in this mad hour? I want to close by saying this. Uh, your circumstances do not define you. Your reality is not determined by this pandemic. God loves you. He is with you. He will always be faithful to you. He is doing far more than you and I could think or imagine right now. And His plans for your life right now are beyond wonderful. Don't let the world tell you what your story is. Church, I want to encourage, encourage each one of us, let's tell a different story. Let's tell his story. And I just bless you to walk in hope, to live in his victory, to stand in his authority, to enjoy his freedom, to be unshakable in his truth. At this time, that no matter how things change or what the circumstances are, that we could live on purpose, that we could live in His love, that we could be on mission. We could represent Him well. God bless you and may you be abounding in hope. Greg, that was a, an amazing word you gave this morning. And uh, let's just take that to heart and let's live in his story. In everything that we do, let's be able to just allow that reset in our thinking and in our lives.
Well, thank you for being with us this week. You know, we trust that next week we'll be able to be outside again together. And uh, the weather's looking good right now. So that's good. Let's just pray it's great weather next week. And have an absolutely amazing week. Take care. <laughs>